welcome to the Even Worse Idea of All Time podcast, Season 2, Episode 17. Je m'appelle Jamie. Je suis Alistair. That's right. No Oliver this week. He's dead. Sorry to break the news this way. Um, I was going to make an official post on the page, but then forgot. He tragically passed away in a um, some sort of accident. What, what happened to him? Uh, I, I believe he, uh, in after several bottles of wine, declared that he was going to Mashetsky for real. And well, you, I don't know. Leave the rest to your imaginations. Uh, no, no, we we jest. Oliver is alive. Um, he's on holiday with his family currently. Oh, actually, no, he might be. I think he's with his family. He comes back and then goes away again. Uh, but I think he's still away with his family. Uh, Edmund, you don't need to know. But anyway, Alistair, Alistair, this is Alistair's last guest appearance before he becomes a series regular. Yeah. He's moved back to God's own Wellington, New Zealand. Do you have anything to say to the, to the matter? Uh... I'm I'm back. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Eloquently put. Yeah. Uh, but he this is so he he hasn't caught up on the film yet. There will be a period of time where Alistair sits sits back and watches. Well, I think fourteen fourteen. You've. I mean, missed? yeah. What's what's going to happen is that. Yeah, I mean, if this is the seventeenth, I've seen it. Is it two or three times? Uh, four. Three I think four. I think I think this is the fourth. I think you've done three. Yeah, I think you've done three other times, right? Yeah. So um, between now and next week, I will I will watch the film thirteen times. I'll probably stack that as as much towards the uh, the newest episode as I can. So it's I don't know. So you're coming in intensity and coming in really hot and pain. Uh, we also are recording only with one microphone, so I'm sort of passing back and forth between Alistair and I. So uh, there might be some times where Alistair's quieter because. It's uh, it's quite nice. I feel like I'm being interviewed. Well, you are in a way. Let me let me turn to you this way, and then it's more sort oh, of one on one. Look, Alistair, what did you think of the film this week? Obviously, the fourth watch for you, the seventeenth for me. But uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to stress that. Uh, what did you think? It really is one of one of those movies where, as you say, it's only the fourth watch. But I I feel like I've been watching it forever. <laughs> It, it already is so worn out for me. It's there's there's really so little interest left to be wrung from it, and it's it's a truly bleak proposition. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Uh, although I do have to say, for for me this week, the watch felt like I was watching a film with fresh eyes. Mm. Uh, it felt like there was at every twist and turn, there's something new for me to see. A new vampire in the in the house. I saw someone standing behind a sort of what's a what's a chaise lounge. I think it's like a I think it's like a type of sofa that you can kind of lie down, like not a couch, right. but yeah. like a, a kind of a more kind of low key yeah. type of sofa. I think. Well, that wasn't uh, that, that that wasn't that. Uh, this, this was more of your just standard armchair, but he was standing behind there, and I thought, who's he? Um, Edward giving off several facial expressions throughout that I, I don't think I'd ever seen before. So, uh, not the worst watch for yeah, me. He has the, the few facial expressions. Well, that is true. They, they are all sort of um, 
just looks like he's concentrating really hard. No disrespect to Robert Pattinson, of course. I'm a, I myself am a big fan. Alice is Googling chaise lounge. Yeah, okay. So this, this sort of thing. A chaise lounge. It's kind of a sofa, but only half of it is uh, is built up into a kind of back or arm rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other half, I think you kind of just dangle your feet over. So it's very much built for, for, uh, for relaxing, r- reclining in. Right. I think actually. It, it, Although that wasn't what I was imagining in the scene, or, or what was in the scene, there actually is a scene in the first Twilight film where they go to Edward's room and he and he does have a little chaise lounge in there because um, obviously, well, yeah, I mean he doesn't he doesn't need a bed though, does he? Because he they yeah, don't I sleep. Know, but it's, it's weird for a seventeen year old to have a chaise lounge. It's just I don't know. She knows at that point that he's a vampire though. But if any God forbid anybody else came over, they'd be like, "Where's your bed? Why have you just got a chaise lounge?" No, no, don't no, 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 me. I just. I change longe it up. <laughs> I like to have my feet dangling off. It gives me a sense of uh, danger when I sleep. Um, Alistair, may I ask what your shining light of the film was this week? My shining light? Uh, good question. Good question. I think... Yeah, and you Stop me if this one has been done before. Okay. Um, but I like... Uh, I really like Jacob at the campfire mm-hmm. when he when he says like yeah this is all right we're having a, a bonfire. I don't think it's been done, so I think. You're okay, right. well I just I like his enthusiasm for that moment. I think it's I don't, I don't know like slightly endearing that he's yeah he's, he's enthusiastic for a bonfire with I don't know I guess people that he has expressed dislike for before, but yeah. he seems to be kind of warming to them. He's excited so, for some camaraderie, isn't he? Exactly, it's. it's and it, you know camaraderie with vampires so it's almost like character development <laughs> uh, it kind of <laughs> gently alludes to the concept of character development characters that might change over time or kind of have personalities that are dynamic and not very very badly sketched out with a few lines of expositionary dialogue they've dangled that uh, that character development carriage on a string in front of us yeah and watching us desperately grasp for it knowing that um, when the time comes they will they will pull it away yeah no it's I mean it's pretty brutal again afterwards because you kind of sunk back into that place but yeah no so that was my shining what was your shining light uh, thank you for asking Alistair my shining light uh, you know, sometimes shining lights, they can really range, can't they? You, you, you run the gamut of what these things could be. Sometimes it's a line of dialogue. Uh, sometimes it's a facial expression. Alistair is trying to sip on the remnants of a McDonald's Sprite Zero, which I had with my with my dinner earlier this evening. Very refreshing. Have you got anything to say about McDonald's this week, Jamie? Uh, well, I had a lovely meal from McDonald's this week. I had uh, Big Mac. Mm-hmm. I had uh, sorry, uh, Le Big Mac. I had uh, a six-piece chicken McNugget box, sweet and sour sauce, of course. Uh, and I had two hash browns. Lovely. I'm not sure if they have this in America, but here in New Zealand, what they have is they have all-day breakfast now. It used to be a thing where you could only get breakfast items at McDonald's up until 10:30 a.m. But now you can get you can get a hash brown any time, day or night. God love them. I tell you what, you enter the code Chaise Lange on Uber Eats and you can get 10% off your next McDonald's order. Tell them I sent you. I, I tell you what I quite like is that I'm pretty sure that the, the all-day breakfast thing mm-hmm. was was uh, just a marketing tactic in the sense that like I think they introduced just having breakfasts mm. and then... 
you know, always with the plan of going to all day. See, I, I, that, and then everyone's like, "Oh, all day breakfast, what a novelty." That would that would be the case. I, I I could see that being employed, but they had that that breakfast cutoff time for a long time. Like I remember my, mm. I remember a lot because there there would be days where I, where I'd feel as a child, I, I would I would want a, a McDonald's hash brown so much. And we'd look at the clock and we'd think, well, it's 10.20 now. There's no hope of getting there in time. Sometimes you'd get there and they'd they'd still have some left over, but not often. So I, as a child, and I remember there was an episode of popular television series, The O.C., in which they discussed how great an all-day breakfast would be. Uh, Mm. So, look, I'm I'm, I'm not uh, shutting down your theory, Alistair, but but it has been been a long time coming. A valid counterpoint. Anyway, I'm so sorry. You're you're shining light. Yes, my shining light. Sorry, I was... uh, Anyway, I was was giving a large preamble there to basically my shining light this week was a bit of set decoration uh, in the, I guess, living room area uh, where all the Cullens are gathered. Uh, (laughs) Alistair continues to sip. Uh, There are also other vampires because there's a bit where they're like all there all 18 of the new vampires that you don't give a fuck about are all gathered around um and they're all crammed into this this living area and my shining light was that there was an iMac in the room um don't know why necessarily that was my shining light I'm i'm a fiend for apple products uh you gotta have the the newest hottest thing uh, I saw that iMac there and I thought, I know that. That's a friendly brand. Was it was it a relatively new iMac for the time period? Uh, it would have been the most current model that you could get, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they've... And, and that's the thing, that's building the world. Obviously, the Cullens have this very fancy home. If they, This is the thing, if they had an iMac that wasn't the latest model in 2012 or 11 when this was filmed, I would have called bullshit. I would have said, there's no way... Carlisle's rocking a 2009 iMac. Mm. This man would he he'd pay the premium to have the latest thing. He's trying to run Final Cut Pro 10. Do you think he's going to do that on a 2009 iMac? Probably, but um, they'd like to make you think you can. I mean, in 2011, I think nowadays they've potentially made them a bit more compatible. But surely in 2011, the, a lot of iMacs were pretty limited for gaming, weren't they? Uh, oh, for gaming, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, Final Cut Pro 10 is a um, oh, vid- video software. editing software. Yeah, I'm yeah, so sorry. yeah. I think I confused it with Final Fantasy. You probably did. A, a mistake commonly made. I uh, once spent $350 on Final Cut Pro 10 thinking it was the latest Japanese RPG. And boy, did I get a shock when I opened up just to find a sort of video timeline. <laughs> uh, no, no, I kid. That would be a lot of money to spend on a video game. Uh, look, what I wanted to know, Alistair, and I'm hoping that you might have a theory here because, uh, after all, this man is your namesake. Mm. Uh, I believe you went unnamed until... Yeah, until my parents... I, I was I was not named as a child until my parents saw this film in particular and thought, well, that's quite a good name. Mm. Um, what was the decision behind them then changing the T to a D in Alistair? Uh, that was a, a misspelling. Okay, so they just saw the movie thought, Alistair, I guess it's spelled this yeah, way. I mean, they didn't stay for the credits, um, right. so they just kind of took a punt at it. Well, they did a pretty good job, all things considered. One letter off, yeah, going yeah. based entirely on Sounders. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know, no, no qualms. Uh, no, look, what, I was, obviously what I'm uh, alluding to here uh, is the segment, which, do you know the theme song? 
Uh, I don't know the most current one. I can sing it. I, I, I was actually, I was on the bus have, home. Have we decided on one now? Yeah, yeah. There's, there is an official one, but every week we still forget it. Okay. Um, and then we have to sort of have an extended discussion about <laughs> what we think the theme song might have been. Um, and I was sitting on the bus this afternoon on my way home from work, and I thought I'd, I should remember what that is because the time's going to come where I need to sing it um, and I'm not going to remember. Um, can I remember now? Yes, it goes. Uh, I think I can. It goes a little something like this. Um, he is in the attic, getting up to no good. Alistair the vampire. Um, it's based on a skyline garage commercial here in New Zealand. Okay, very good. Um, but look, we liked. There's a character called Alistair. He's a vampire. He turns up at the Cullens household. He says, "I'll be in the attic." He jumps up into the attic. Uh, he's r- rarely seen again. Alistair, what do you think he was doing yeah, he up really, in the attic? There's there's so little need for him to be in the film. Mm. Like he just he does nothing for the plot. Um, there's there's almost a moment of conflict with Bella, but then. I think it just cuts away. I don't think she responds in any way to to his... And I'm still not even certain this is what it is, but presumably his accusation that she's going to run away or something. Yeah, I think that's what or, it is. Or but bail, but... It's, it's hard to tell, and it's not really a plot point because, I don't know, that's not something that's really been raised. Like, we as the audience already know that she's not doing that. Mm. So... I don't and know. Then, and then he just leaves. And then he just leaves. Like, he doesn't try to turn people against her. He just, I don't know, takes off. He's a cunt. He's a bad guy. Um, anyway, he was in the attic uh, because he's just gotten back from being a merchant seaman. And he wants to regain his land legs. How do you spell seaman? S E A. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he wants to regain his land legs, and he gets he gets disorientated if he's out in the open for too long. So he kind of wants to be in an environment that's a bit like the underside of a ship, right? Which is the attic. So it's quite an enclosed space, mm. and there's a lot of nautical themed furniture up there what was he doing at sea um he was a smuggler oh yeah um and also a pirate dj oh uh, oh like in um the boat that rocks exactly or radio hodaki of new zealand fame yeah so so what happened was that he was also selling drugs out of the mm. boat doing a lot of things, wasn't he? Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, smuggler, drug dealer. It's all kind of a, yeah. a blurred line. Anyway, he had a near-death experience, and he had a religious awakening, and now he's going to join the seminary. How do you spell seminary? S-E-M-I... Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's... He's he's kind of just going through it in the attic, uh, which is is why he comes across as a bit antisocial. But but in fact, he's uh, he's a good guy and he's he's found his calling. So maybe just have a bit of bit of compassion for this character, eh? Before we uh, before we spend too long ripping him to an every week for being a 
an antisocial prick. It's, uh, you know, well, there's more going on under the hood there. It's certainly nice. Certainly nice to get some perspective, Alistair. I can't help but feel like it's coloured by the fact that you share a name with this man. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, but look, it is good to get some background on him, get to know uh, where he's come from. I feel like mm. obviously a lot of the time we sort of focus on where he's going. But sometimes in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been. Mm. And obviously he's been um, just covered in semen. <laughs> that one, semen. <laughs> that one I spell it like S-E-M-E-N. Oh, okay, right, right. So yeah. like... Yeah, so no, like... Jism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, right. no, the, the stuff that comes out of, the, of a penis is what I'm referring to there. Uh, Alistair, what, what I wanted to ask you is uh so obviously you've been on a handful of times but not 17 so there's probably things that you want to get off your chest so what i wanted to know alistair is are there things that have been uh eating you up things that you've wanted to talk about related to twilight breaking dawn part two but have not had the chance to no Uh, apologies, we've had, had some technical difficulties with the microphone this week uh, and it's refusing to co- cooperate every 10 seconds basically uh, powering down. So we've, we've switched to my telephone to record the rest of the episode. Uh, hopefully not too much of a downgrade. Please, please don't leave. And, and can I just say, Jamie, that I do blame you for this. I, I think that's fair enough. I think it's only right that you do so. Uh, a, a huge indictment on my reputation uh, and something that I will not soon live down. Now, Alistair, where we left off, I asked you if you had anything you wanted to get off your chest in regards to the film. And uh, you, you said no, but then it sounded as though you were going to turn around on that and, you, and there were some things you wanted to discuss. What were they? Well, I don't know if it's... I think I probably have have mentioned this in the last episodes that I've been in, but um, I think Emmett is really hot. I just... It's something about his extremely kind of... arrogant smug attitude mm. it's it's very kind of unlikable but in a in a very attractive way mm. um he's the character you love to hate kind of thing but also quite horny he he, he is he's got a horny energy uh i think on a set, very horny energy on set sure. they called him uh kid horny which uh, <laughs> was dubious in nature because obviously you don't necessarily want to associate kids with that behavior and um, also every time they said it uh jacob would run over looking excited <laughs> he said someone's like kid horny <laughs> horny kid <laughs> Uh, you know, look, I, 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 I have to say you, you, your enthusiasm for Emmett has has rubbed off somewhat. Not that I've been a... It's um, not all that's rubbed off. Hey, now. <laughs> not that I've been uh, anti-Emmett in any way. Uh, I feel like you and Oliver are quite anti-Emmett. Uh, no, Oliver, I feel... Oliver is... No, I think Oliver's quite pro-Emmett. I think when, when, when you've been on and you've discussed Emmett... Mm. I think Oliver's really cottoned on to that and he's really appreciated what you've brought to the table in that regard. Uh, but, but I see what you mean. He, he Look, I've got to say, he annoys the fuck out of me. 
but he has this undeniable quality. Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi, absolutely. A bouquet. This allure to him, um, which, and it's because I think there's something so sort of tacky about it that you can't help it's, it's but so, love it. It's so... I mean, like like all characters, it's very one in the film. It's very one dimensional, <laughs> you know. Like that's all he has to offer, and the actor really just fucking. I don't know. He he goes so hard. Like that's his one character note, and he's just run with it. Mm. It's like yeah, okay. So you're kind of like a, a bit of a smug, bit of a. I don't know, you like winding people up, maybe? You like getting a bit of a reaction? You described him as King Jock. Yeah, he's King that's, Jock. That's absolutely of, right. Um, and that's... that's the, the, the actor has just committed so entirely to that bit. I think it's... I don't know. I, I do, think it's something to latch on to. I think it's something in the vein of Michael Sheen as well, where these people, they're not playing particular... Like, Aro is a pretty one-note villain, but they're playing them... There's, there's an air of fun to it. They, they kind of look like they're at least having a good time doing it, and mm. I think that goes a long way, especially amongst such a quagmire of just yeah. dull, dull performances. I can't, I can't get over how... Joyless, this film is. That is the word that I just keep coming back to. It just, it, it doesn't seem like it was made with an ounce of love. Like, just, just nothing. I described it this week as if the film had been made with some sort of AI mm. program in which you could put in all your shots, you put in your music, uh, and then it just sort of churns it out mm. for you. And it's like, this is a film. It's got all the working parts of a film. Uh, but there's no soul there. There's no body. Yeah. There's no warmth. Exactly. There's no light. There's no spirit. There's no hope. Uh, everything is bleak. It's pretty grim. Now, Alistair, I know you've uh, obviously just been singing the praises of Emmett. So it's, it's, it's now time for me to ask you what team you're on this week. And, and I, I do, I do want to say, obviously, this, as opposed to Shining Light, we can repeat characters no, in this one. Yeah, I have been on Emmett's team before. But I think this week I was Team Jasper. Oh. And... The reason for that is that during the film, we, me and Jamie had a bit of a discussion about which of the central cast would be, I don't know, m- most likely to be a rock climber. Yeah, I posed that question to Alistair. Um, I thought that would get him excited. It, it indeed did. And I, I thought maybe Jasper, because he kind of has a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a, a shiftless kind of slightly, slightly, I don't know, alternative energy about him. You know, you can see him kind of getting out there, mm. camping maybe a bit more than than you could Edward. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I kind of, I suppose, read desperately into this imagined backstory <laughs> and that made me quite like him. Uh, I mean, I don't think any of it's really backed up. I also like that he gets his head karate chopped off. That's a really cool moment that is in good. the film. It's just... <laughs> There, there is Over a the top. there is a backstory for for Jasper, and that's that he was a Civil War soldier. Yeah, no, fighting was, for the South. Yeah, and he's meant to be all scarred up, but it's, yeah, yeah, he's a bad guy. <laughs> uh, look, I was on team. Uh, Sam, I think his name is. He's one of the werewolves. He, he, I was on his team this week. Just out of pity, the man gets two scenes. I don't think there's dialogue in either of them. One, he walks up to Jacob and hands him an envelope. Another one, he walks up a driveway and hands someone a piece of paper. Uh, he yeah. is essentially a courier in this film. Uh, but I give him props. He, he turned up to set that day. He knew he didn't have uh, much to chew on. Oh, look, I mean, it's probably pretty good money for what I can only imagine was... 
10 minutes work god yeah yeah i mean how, how many times do you have to do that on the 50th take you're just not handing that paper over right no it's i i, I struggle to imagine that there were even 50 takes in this film alone <laughs> in that scene <laughs> yeah that's true I wish they'd fucking speak up a lot of the time. Oh, God, yeah. They just mumble along and they're mixed in with the background noise. It's appalling. Mm. Um, I mean, some of the characters do a lot better than others. Edward is probably the worst. Edward's uh, the worst mumbler. Yeah. Because I say I love Robert Pattinson, but my God, in this movie. He's talking into his chest. He needs to enunciate. Like the first lines of dialogue are just Edward sort of looking at the ground and going. Yeah, he's always looking down. so beautiful. <laughs> mate, I, I I get that she's got supersonic hearing, but me personally, my hearing's shit, and I don't want to put the volume up to fucking over sixty. Mm. God, something you know, for some food for thought before you make Twilight Six. Yeah, I mean, you turn it up, and then suddenly you hear Arrow's screech of a laugh. It's shaking the whole bloody apartment building. Yeah, it's off putting. Um, Looking what were you saying just before that? I feel like there was... Uh, was I saying anything? What was the vibe of what I was oh, saying? Oh, right. No, so... Yeah, the, the Sam. So it's really weird mm. because apparently the scene where he comes and hands someone an envelope yeah. is in relation to... Well, yeah, so... The, previ- the previous... The prequel. Well, the previous <laughs> the prequel. Yeah, Oliver and I had been discussing this because week after week we'd see this scene where Sam comes and hands Jacob an envelope wordlessly and we thought, what the hell is the point of that scene? And then we got clarification in the director's commentary when uh, director Bill Condon said that it was a payoff for a scene in part one. Yeah, but it's, it's so little payoff. It happens while Bella is doing a voiceover explaining something entirely unrelated. Mm. So it kind of makes it look like part... I mean, I don't know, maybe it is related. But it's also, like, it's a a 20-second scene, if that. A 20-second shot. Why are you saving that for between films? Yeah, that that was my argument. If if it is something that you've left open in part one, what is the benefit of closing off in part two if it was such a simple resolution anyway? I I mean, I, I... I am hesitant to speak so ferociously about it considering that I haven't seen the first part in in nearly a decade. I'm willing to wade in. (laughs) Um, But it'll it'll be interesting to see what the the setup is. Um, That could be a segment, although I I am, I don't know, I feel like a lot of segments turn into just theorising what something might be. Yeah. Uh, But I will be looking forward to seeing what the setup for that was. Alistair, any final thoughts before we wrap up this week's episode? Um... No, I'm not looking forward to next week. Well, this is this I am because I'm looking forward to seeing what a broken man you are after yeah. having watched the film 40, 15, 14 times in a row. Yeah, that'll be good. And I'll probably destroy my body with chemicals while I'm doing it. Uh, Look, that sounds good, but at the same time, I, I, you, you do have to be taking in the film, Alistair. You, you can't, you know. Let's yeah, that's true. Don't, don't escape from it. Uh, that's true. Maybe I'll just make myself hungover. <laughs> That sounds like even worse. That sounds awful. But um, good content for sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, I don't know. I mean, we'll find out on the other... See you on the other side. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- uh, thanks for listening. I, this is potentially the last time you will hear me, in fact, in, in the the kind of emotional and 
and even physical state that I now exist in and, and have existed in kind of as a more or less continuous being but I think this could be could be it well what a what a cliffhanger then uh, don't change that dial stay tuned next time you hear from us Alistair will have endured uh, a horrific horrific event it'll be over 24 hours of Twilight Breaking Dawn part 2 that sounds like heaven to me how bizarre For some gas A freshly placed poster Reveals a smile from the pack Elephants and acrobats Lions, snakes, monkey Bella speaks righteous Sister Cena says funky How bizarre 